Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. So there's a great quote. It's a little bit cheesy, but it is a pretty good quote that says, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And when I processed the interview you're about to listen to, that's the quote I really thought of. Maddie Vashon absolutely loves what she does for work. And I know that all of her clients and all the kids that she works with, that that comes across to them. And it's such a joy for me as a teacher to see a former student who I knew when I had her in class, you knew that she was going to be special and that she was going to be somebody that made a difference in other people's lives. And that's exactly what I think you're going to hear as you listen to the podcast today. So I hope you enjoy it. Captain Maddie Vashon. Obsessed with the Weather is brought to you by Jim Wolf and Wolf Painting Company, the premier interior and exterior painting company on the South Shore of Massachusetts. Contact owner Jim Wolf today at 617-435-1793 or visit wolfpaintingco.com. That's W-O-L-F-E. Don't forget that E paintingco.com for a free estimate and mention the promo code obsessed with the weather for a 10% discount off your full painting project. Everywhere he goes, people want to know what's the weather. So he tells them he's obsessed with the weather. Hi, and welcome to the Obsessed with the Weather podcast. I'm your host, Steve McGuire. This podcast is coming to you from the home of some of the world's most diverse weather, Situate, Massachusetts. A reminder to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you listen to your podcasts on, or visit obsessedwiththeweather.com to find out more about this podcast and some other great things about the weather. I have an incredible episode for you today as I welcome my guest, Captain Maddie Vashon, uh, to the show. But let's begin with our weather quiz. Uh, We're going to certainly talk about, with Maddie, wind today. So our quiz this week deals with wind. And the quiz question is simply this. What is the Beaufort scale as it pertains to wind? So I always put it out there. Please don't Google it. That's silly. doesn't make any sense. So... if you know anything about what the Beaufort scale is, what is it, what does it do, what does it measure, et cetera. So, uh, again, I am beyond excited uh, to have a former student of mine and just an unbelievable person. Uh, welcome to Obsessed with the Weather, Captain Maddie Vashon. Thanks, Steve. Awesome to have you here. So, my opening sort of question I'd love to ask guests, you know, the weather is an amazing piece about why I started this podcast, but... I want people that listen to kind of walk away with some life stuff about it too. So can you explain to, you know, to everybody sort of how did you get to where you are today in your life, what you do, and just take us through that awesome road to what you're doing now. Because as a fan of you, and I mean it, like watching on social media, seeing, I I show my wife sometimes, I look at some of the pictures, I'm like, Maddie has the most incredible <laughs> life. And so to see that stuff from afar, uh, I, I said, my goodness, if there's anybody I need to have on the show, it's got to be her. So tell us how you got to where you are today. 
Well, I grew up sailing with my family. My dad and my mom own a boat, and um, we kind of grew up doing summers on the boat. And we lived um, we lived on the boat in the summer. We lived in Hingham and Weymouth. And then uh, when my dad got a job at the boatyard, we moved the boat to Situate, and we've been in Situate since like 2004, I want to say, with the boat. Um, and just sailing around, we used to do Wednesday night racing down in Hingham, which was really cool. We were kind of little. My brother and I would go racing, and we would just get knocked into this huge racing scene that just became normal for us to go like, oh, it's Wednesday night. We have to go sailing. Like right, it became like right. the thing. And we kind of, we hated it for a while, but then we grew to really love it. Yeah, and like we got other, super into it. Other kids it. were like, I have to go with T-ball. You're yeah. Like, other nope. kids were like, I have baseball. And I was like, oh, that must be fun <laughs> going on land for something. Wow. But we grew up always on the boat, always on the boat. Like I didn't know people did Memorial Day on land until I went to college. I was like, like what do you guys do? People with parades and yeah. stuff. And you're like, no, I'm on the ocean. I'm like, you guys really have barbecues that's like a thing it was just like so weird for me to to see it all happen but we grew up like going to the cape for on the boat we went to the cape i thought onset was an island until i was 17 <laughs> i love it you know like it just became so normal for and us so for folks that don't know what onset is onset onset is a uh like the um the the ocean part of wareham got it pretty much got it okay it's like right off this uh the um the end of the canal and you just pull in because you've had a long day of Love sailing. It. And Love it. I just thought it was an island until Amazing. I saw cars on it and I was like, wait a minute. How'd they do that? How'd you get those here? Right. Love it. Yep. And it's it's just been like that ever since. And um when I graduated college I bought a boat. Um well my dad and I bought a boat for me and I paid him back over Bank of Dad. I took Love a it. loan from Bank of Love Dad. It. And where'd you go to school? <laughs> I went to college at UMass Lowell for awesome. music education. I was awesome. a music teacher for four years, and then um, I got my captain's license, and I started kind of doing it more professionally. And I realized I was pretty okay at it. I, when I bought my own boat, I started sailing alone a lot, and I started actually doing pretty well in races by myself with my own crew, and it kind of hit me. I was like, hey, maybe I'm not half bad at this. So right. I started kind of putting myself into that, um, teacher spot and with my education background from college I could kind of give all of these really cool sailing lessons and even if it was just starting at the beginning that's where a lot of people need to start anyway so right. I kind of started there and I worked my way up great so can you tell us a little bit of knowing so I grew up uh, about nine miles northwest of Boston totally landlocked it was a 50 minute ride to go to the beach right so the ocean was like a big deal once a year right so when you talk about your captain's license, uh, tell us about the process, because a lot of people probably have no idea what goes into it. So, you know, you don't, it's, we were joking before we got started here today, like the, the captain term is not a loosely used term. So tell us more about that. Um, I have a very basic license. It's a 50-ton master's license, which in my world is kind of like a bachelor's degree. Got it. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people that have licenses way bigger than me, and I kind of bow down to them <laughs> because I just know they know way more than I ever will. Right. But I'm working towards getting bigger licenses and you know, growing my own education and bettering myself. But um, this license is, to get the license, it pretty much is based on sea time, experience, and knowledge. So you need to have a certain amount of days on the water on different kinds of boats. And then depending on how large those boats are, you get a certain tonnage of license. Like all of the boats that I've been on my whole life are under 50 tons. So a 50-ton license makes sense for me to get. That's Got what it. I received. Everyone's like, oh, why don't you get a 100-ton license? Because I don't sail 100-ton boats. I don't know, man. Like right. I never I never did. I probably never will. It's right. like 
what I do is good for me, but um, I went through a 12-week course. It was basically a semester of learning all the rules of the roads and the lights, and there was a weather segment on it that I had to do, and it was just a whole bunch of information that they stuffed into our brains, and then I tested, and I got my license. Awesome. The paperwork was the hardest part. Yeah, as it is with a lot of stuff. That yeah, makes government no paperwork. Sense. Right? Yeah, like fabulous. Glad I signed up for that. Right? Yeah. So, all right, so you graduate school, you're a music teacher, all the time thinking to yourself, there's got to be something better than yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Like, and as a teacher, like as a 23 year veteran, I totally get it, right? Like, thus this podcast and my other business. And, you know, if you don't vary things, you're going to go nuts. That's kind of been my philosophy my whole life. But, so you're teaching and you're thinking to yourself, all right, there's got to be something better. And then what kind of drove you, you know, kind of take us on that trip from the end of teaching to where you are now? Uh, at the end of my teaching career, I guess, I'll put that in air quotes, uh, my dad was actually thinking about taking his boat to Key West for the winter. And he had gone down and my mom decided that she didn't want to do it again. She didn't want to come back on the boat. So my dad called me and he said, I, I need crew. And I was like, this is it. This is the chance. So I resigned from my job, and I flew down to Key West, and, and what, I took his boat home. So what time of the year was this now? This was um, March, I want to say. Great. Yeah. So mid-school year, you're like, you know what? Life's too See short. Ya. Love you guys. Check you later. Yeah, I felt awful because all my students were so good, and like I loved every single one of them, and I was kind of tearing up on my last day because, I mean, I sent them off with a good teacher to take over for me, and I, I kind of worked myself down to a certain amount of hours working and so that my pass off was very minimal, but I, it still kind of hurt me, hurt my soul to let yeah. go. Yeah. But you know, Jared, I had a, a interview uh, last week with uh, Jared Carlberg, who was a great guest and, you know, he and I were talking a little bit about it and uh, you know, the philosophy that I've tried to live by too, is that things happen and everything happens for a reason, whether that's a great thing or a bad thing or whatever but all those experiences shape who you are now. For sure. Right? And so you're like, all right, teaching's done, check you later, fly down to Key West, and you're now a crew for your dad sailing north. Yes. All right, tell us, take us through that. Uh, it was kind of boring, honestly. We did the ICW the whole way, which is the intercoastal waterway. It's basically a, a canal dug through the entire eastern shoreboard from um, Miami to Norfolk, Virginia. So a Amazing. lot of it was just inland, 40 miles a day, cruising, waiting for bridges to open and doing that whole thing. But Got that it. time that I spent with my dad is irreplaceable anyway. So we had a wicked blast. Awesome. We went to like every restaurant. He was like, you got to try the clam strips here and you got to have a crab cake and you got to do all this stuff. And I was like, I've never had any of this stuff. Amazing. But he had done it on the way down. So he had all of that knowledge. He had the inside right. knowledge of where to go and where and to stop. And was it just you two or do you have other crew? Um, it was just us. And then we would invite people down for like, they would take a week off work and come down and sail with us. And Amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. And so that, you know, for people that don't know anything about sailing, one of the things I learned even... Last year, we, we stayed at a, a beach off in Cohasset called Bassings Beach as you come in the harbor. So all harbors, which is, again, knowledge that I had none, none of, all harbors have sort of open moorings for overnight vessels, correct? And you just, can you take people like that don't know sort of what that process is all about? Yeah, it's, typically if you come into a mooring field and there's open moorings, there's usually somebody that you can hail on the VHF and you can ask some marina if if you can borrow one of the moorings for the night and then they'll come out and take your money. Awesome. Right. Yeah. So, and, and it's a way of that 
port or that harbor making some equity, and at the same time, you have a place to stay. Right. Right. On, but there are a lot of places on the ICW where there are no marinas and there are no supermarkets, and there's really nothing to do, and you just have to anchor. You anchor in the middle of nowhere. Amazing. Right. Okay. So you, you make that trip. You're back in New England. Where does it go from there? Where did I go from there? Oh, geez. I think, well, when we got back, it was it was probably May 15th, and I think I launched my boat. Um, and then we just do the summers. We do racing. We do cruising. Um, I was teaching lessons. I was running the junior sailing program for the town, which is fabulous. Awesome. I, I laugh so much every day. And the so, kids are just hilarious. And you're doing that now? I'm doing that now. Yep, and that is uh, a huge part of your job. So you're teaching just literally completely green babies, like, how to sail. Basically. Right. Yeah, we're uh, a community program, so everybody there is just kind of on the learn-to-sail spectrum. Nobody's really um, vying to compete in a regatta or anything. They're just there for two weeks. Let's go sailing. Let's learn how to do it. And our instructors are awesome. Our kids are awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. And so I told you previously that when putting this whole podcast together, I thought to myself, I have to have Maddie on as a guest. She has experienced some just unbelievable weather uh, I just completely ignorantly referred to you as a ship mover. Uh, I just was grasping for the title. And when I asked Maddie, I said, how do you want to be described? She said, I'm captain. I'm like, I'm ca-. I said, oh, my goodness. I, she's right. I'm a captain. She's not a ship mover. But tell us about your position now. When you're not teaching sailing, what does that look like? Uh, when I'm not teaching sailing, I, I also run a small business called Sizzy Sailing LLC, which is the name of my boat, and I um, focus a lot on women's sailing. So I take groups of women out and teach them the basics, or if they already know the basics, I'll take them out and teach them more about how to make the boat go fast, how to trim your sails for a race, how to how to like set yourself up. I move a whole bunch of things around on their boat to make it set up so that it's really comfortable and easy, and um, we have a blast, and then we do wine and cheese at the end, and it's... And everybody's psyched. Yeah, everybody's psyched. It's Love so it. cool. And so take us through your year. So take it, you know, uh, you know, the year, obviously the weather is incredibly impactful. You know, I always, I have some friends that started a company called Chasing Summer. And when I hear that term, I really, I can't make it up. When I hear that term, I think of you because I see these incredibly beautiful, warm sunsets in January. And I'm like, she's definitely I'm not. I'm definitely a summer the, chaser. I'm like, she's not <laughs> in the Atlantic, like the North Atlantic right now. So take us sort of what, because you you have such a unique and amazing path. Take us through what your year is like. Uh, okay. So uh, a typical, well, I guess I'll just, I'll just go through my past couple years. Three years ago for the winter, um, I took a 50-foot catamaran down to the Bahamas to do charters. Um, and a whole bunch of stuff happened. I ended up living in the Bahamas for three months on this 50 foot catamaran. Um, our, our mooring field that we were in filled up with people my age. So it kind of became like a hot spot. It was awesome. We had a great time. And then, um, I came home, brought the home back, brought the boat back in, um, April, I think, I think it was April. Um, and then I went to Tokyo to visit my best friend. And then I came home from that, and it was May 15th, so I launched my boat and then hence starts summer. Right. Uh, the year after that, I went to – where did I go? Oh, I went to Guatemala, got a boat out of Guatemala, sailed up to Belize, okay, spent so, some time in Belize. All right, so let's take a step back. When you say you went to Guatemala, how, how did that even I went like- by Giant Metal Bird. Great. So yeah. you, so you flew. To I flew to Guat- Guatemala. All right. And yes. so what was the prompt to even get there? There was a boat down there. 
So already. how did how did people know about you? Like, so if I want somebody to to sail my boat from somewhere, how do they even find out about you at the um, time? A lot of what I do is word of mouth, okay. because there's kind of a, there's a very small group of people. Everybody has a circle, right? And yep. in my circle, we have call it twenty captains. And if I can't do a job, I pass it on to the next person. It just kind of goes around this circle. And eventually it will get to somebody else that will spread it throughout their circle. So it's like this big Venn diagram, never-ending Venn diagram of people that we all know. Love it. Yeah, it's really cool. So if if somebody, if one of my friends, say, in like South Carolina, has somebody up in Boston that needs lessons, they'll call me. And then it'll go through my circle, you know? Yeah, amazing. So you find out about this boat in Guatemala, you, you sail... To from there to where? I went from Guatemala up to Placencia, Belize, down to the Bay Islands in Honduras, and then back up to Mexico. Okay, so not knowing any of that, again, this is so, so obviously you need a passport, you need the paperwork, passport, credential, right? Paperwork, you, yeah. So, Sarpes. What, what does that look like? It's a lot of paperwork. Right. There's a lot of dead trees going on in the cruising community. Really? Yeah, so not. Brutal. Yeah, that's not okay. It's right? brutal. Like, <laughs> we, can't, we can't make any of that paperless at some point, I, right? Someday, yeah, I'm sure they will. That'll but be your next venture. Yeah, right? All right, paperless. So paperless sailing. So, all right, so you go through that process, take us through the next, uh, maybe the last two years now. Uh, well, last year, my father went back down to Key West because um, he also doesn't like winter. I think we come from the same <laughs> gene. Yeah. yeah. So he took his boat down to Key West. Uh, and my mom is a very smart woman. And she decided that she'll just fly to Key West when he gets there, which is a top Great. idea. Yeah, right? right. No doubt. So she's like, hey, when you get there, call me and I'll fly in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> like, yeah. Hell yeah, mom. Great. Sign me up. So um, dad and I left September sixth or something september 17th whatever and um, we started sailing down to key west and i got off the boat in october because we had a wicked nor'easter up here and my boat was still on a mooring and i was like having heart palpitations and i was freaking out like my baby's on the mooring and i'm not there and there's nobody to take care of it because i'm with my dad who's the only other person that takes care of my boat you know and i was just like freaking out so i ran a car in virginia and i booked it home and I just dealt with it. I took my Did boat out of the water. Did you beat the nor'easter? Or no, no, I didn't. I oh. was two days behind it. Oh, and any damage? No damage. Great. No damage. Can you tell us a little bit more about your boat? Uh, sure. So, you know, size, t- take us through, again, take us through the total, I've never seen a boat before, person. Like, take us all through it. What is it? I, you know, Jared was talking about his boat, says it said as. It was a, it's a Novi. I'm like, I, I don't even know what that means. Like he, means. he said it's from Nova Scotia. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Right? So like, take us through your boat. Okay. So my boat um, is a, oh boy, I don't even know where to start. So it's, it's, it's designed by Sparkman Stevens, who are a, a group of people. It's two brothers and a lawyer who um, started building boats for the America's Cup, which is like the World Series of Sailing, basically. Yep. And they started building these gorgeous hulls and these gorgeous boats, and they just won, won, won. Everything was a winner. All I do was win. It was like they were just awesome the whole time. And um, then they started, you know, branching out of that America's Cup thing. They were like, "We build a pretty good boat. We're gonna, we're gonna keep building things." And they've they've built everything from little sailing dinghies that you see around the harbor. For I don't know if you've ever seen my sailing program go, but we have little Cape Cod Mercuries. Those are built by Sparkman Stevens. Got it. All the way up to like huge. You know, 70-foot swans, they've built everything in between. So they designed the hull for this boat, and it was originally made to be a one design for the Congressional Cup out in California, which is a big race that happens every year. 
and then um, the hull got sold and became a Swan 38, and then Catalina bought the mold for the hull and turned it into a Catalina 38, which is what I have. Got it. Okay. Amazing. So so there's so much that goes into that process. Um, talk about sort of what the maintenance of it is like, the day-to-day, what you, know, what you have to do to take care of it, yearly type of makeup, things like that. Uh, well, when it's out of the water, you have to paint the bottom every year. Yeah, so that- I've seen that as part of the pandemic, amazingly, and all the walking we've been doing. You see a lot of people painting their boats. And I, my wife and I have been like, what is the deal with this? Why is everyone <laughs> painting their boat? So, yeah, tell us about that process. It's um, Well, it's a little bit different when you own a boat that you're competitive with because you have to take off all of the bottom paint from the previous year. you got to sand it all off and make your hull super smooth and then paint it on again with, like, an ultra-thin foam roller so that it's, like, wicked smooth. Got it. Because if there's any nap in your roller, it causes drag it's okay, ridiculous it's, it's slow and it's enough to make a difference it's yeah it makes a huge to the difference. layman would be like ah that's fine yeah right amazing okay yeah. and then there's there's ultra like ultra serious racers who do something called burnishing which is basically like uh like waxing your bottom paint to make it ultra smooth wow yeah there's some crazy people out there yeah there's a process though it's, it's all a pro- huge process it takes so much time and so much energy uh t- take me through the uh you know amazingly enough they were not pandemic related. I saw these people all doing this with a ventilator or yes. a mask. What is that? Even, yes. And they were outside. What is that about? Yeah. Well, when you sand off the bottom paint, it's those tiny little particulates that you can just breathe right in. It gets all up in your nose and it Got makes it. you cough for like years. It's terrible. Coming from experience, oh, it God. sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. I wore the wrong respirator one year and it I was sneezing out blue paint for like Perfect. a week. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. it was You're wicked like, healthy. Yeah, so healthy. I yeah. love it. Uh, so obviously, you know, the focus of me creating this podcast was the weather from your just incredible amount of experience on the ocean. Take us through whether it was either growing up here in Situate or through your sailing career. Take us through a couple events that are just really stick in your brain as memorable weather events and sort of how you're, you know, I guess you can start with that. And then, you know, I'd be psyched if you could tell us a little bit about how you process the weather daily as a captain leading, you know, people out on the ocean. Yeah. So um, when we're out sailing and doing a delivery or anything offshore, we have um, a pretty decent amount of technology that we can predict the weather with and we can create routes for where we're going. And because when you leave, say, Florida, and you need to go to Charleston. If you leave Florida on a Monday, you need to know what the weather's going to be in Charleston in three days. You right. know, so like we have to do all of that, all of that weather routing. Um, but luckily, there's technology out now that can kind of do it for us. And then all we have to do is double check the gribs and everything. Uh, gribs is a gribs is a, a a way to look at weather and like where the fronts and the isobars are coming from. So Got it. it's just very basic datum that you can look at. Love it. Great. Um, and we can download that like straight it, into the plotter, which is what the chart shows up on, it, on the it's boat. It's kind of like an autopilot to a certain extent. But, sort of. But not. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you can make it follow the route, but uh, you got to kind of take liberties on what it gives you and what you can actually take from it. Yeah. It's, it's like there's, there was a, an old school weatherman named Don Kent. And right before he went on the air. He used to go stand outside. And make sure it's actually yeah, raining. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So does that, that to a certain extent. To a sort, certain extent, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if we're looking at a grip and it says there's 
there's no weather, but you look behind you and you're getting chased down by lightning bolts. Like there's obviously weather out right. there and we, we need to update something or we need to get a new one or, you know, we need to change something. Got it. So uh, awesome. um, one of my favorite things to do when I'm on deliveries northbound is um, call my dad and let him know what Hatteras looks like. Okay. so And tell, I tell him tell it's always what? a beautiful day on Hatteras. Yeah. Hatteras is um, the like the corner of the northeast corner of North Carolina where yep. it's just the, the beach. Yep. And it's where the Gulf Stream, which is the warm stream of water in the Atlantic, it's where the Gulf Stream kind of veers off to the right. Yep. So it's like the last part of of the coastline that has that warm water and then the Chesapeake's cold. So it, it's like the cold versus the warm and all of the weather just kind of bunches up there and Amazing. it gets like insane. Right. Right. Because you have um you've got the currents in the Gulf Stream and then you have the currents backing off on it. On the other way. So I, I've often said, like, the way situate geographically is, we get the why, the reason we get so beat up because of these nor'easters is the way we are geographically in the ocean. I've always said that if nor'easters formed off of Florida, Hatteras would be, that's why they get so impacted by hurricanes. Hatteras would be impacted like we are for sure. nor'easters. It's for that, sure. that type of analogy is for people to process, right? Yeah. Like, so, um, so take us through some of, you know, in all that sailing, couple, give us a couple of great war stories, like what you've seen, what you've been like as an experienced captain, what you've kind of stepped back and been like, wow, like this is not good or anything like that. Uh, yeah, there's been a couple of times. I've only regretted going out a couple of times, both of which were with my dad and he knew it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the, a couple of stories that stick out in my mind is doing a delivery um, on a 70-foot sailboat from Charleston up to New York. So we had to go around Hatteras. And we were getting chased by this line of thunderstorms. And we had an option. We had The captain on board had called his weather guy on land and been like, send me the gribs, send me the gribs, because we have a choice to make, and we have to make it like in the next hour, right? We can either head south of Hatteras and wait, or we can try and run run away from it and go north of Hatteras and just kind of like hope that right. we get there in time, right? right. So um, he got all and those so updated grips. this would impact your time of delivery too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. part of your process. If we had waited, we would have been stuck in um, Beaufort for 10 days. Right. Right? So okay, like so you just gonna, lose so much time. Right. And it's such a pain. And that's what and your client is expecting. Yeah, our client wanted the boat. Yeah. Yeah, Yesterday, for sure. right. Yeah. yeah. Wanted it on time. Yeah. So um, he, he got his updated weather and he was like, I think we should go for it. I think we should just run with it. And um, it was maybe midnight, one, two in the morning. And the I was looking at the radar because you can see weather on your radar system on the boat. Yep. And I was looking at the radar and I zoomed out to like the very edge of where our radar could go. And like the hole behind us was just lit like a Christmas tree. Oh. And you could look back and it was just bolts behind us. That and we you were getting chased it. by this huge storm. Oh. Yeah, and we outran it. Unbelievable. It was it, crazy. And so... For people that would never have ex- have experienced, I certainly have not. You can see them from the beach. What is it like? Because you've seen countless of these, I'm sure. What is it like to see chain lightning, like a lightning bolt on the ocean? Can you take us through that a little bit? If it's far away from you, it's incredible. <laughs> if you're the only tall metal stick within 500 miles, it's oh my god, it's not as incredible. It's not as incredible. How no. how close do you feel like you've ever had a Something you're like, that was closer than it should have been. Uh, I was I was delivering a 42-foot cat from the Bahamas a couple years ago, and we had a lightning bolt strike so close to the boat that it blew our instruments out. Oh, fried them. Fried them. Like done. 
need new stuff. Wow. Unbelievable. And the sound of that, the heat, could you feel the heat from it? Was No, it we were inside or? the Got boat, it. so we okay. couldn't really feel the heat. But um, my my dad and I were in Atlantic City last year. for We were there in the fall doing the delivery to Key West, and this storm rolled in, and we, we just looked at the the lightning coming over Atlantic City towards us, and we were like, this is it, man. I started unplugging things. I took all the transducers out, and I put plugs in. I had plugs next to every single through haul. I was like, we're ready. If anything happens, we're ready. Unbelievable. Start the engine, because if you get struck, your starter dies, and you can't move the boat. I right. was like, we're ready. If anything happens, we're ready. And um, we had we had one LED light on in the boat, and we heard the crack, and all our lights went out. Oh, my goodness. And we just looked at each other, and we're just like... F word. Yeah, man. right. Like, right. Seriously. But you prepped. This is it. So We're you, done. Yeah, but you prepared not. To yeah, well, even though we prepared for it, that right. just kind of, it just makes sure we don't sink. Right. We're not going to sink. Right. But everything else is dead. And that would were, have been like the end of the whole thing. And you were okay. We were okay. Yeah, it ended up that the, the bolt, we actually saw the bolt um, right off our stern hit the water and it just sizzled the water. It was crazy. Uh, unbelievable. It was so, so stressful. The. So obviously, and again, this is one of the major reasons why I was so excited to have you on. The weather impacts everything you do. Yes. Like, and and I said it in my trailer of this, and you know, some people might think it's dramatic, but the weather not just obviously is a major impact on you and your career, but everybody from you know the economy of I have to buy winter clothes because I live in the northern hemisphere. To I live in you know around the 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 ITCZ and it's you know it's always warm and I can wear a bathing suit and a sh- like a polo shirt all day yeah, you right. know like so it impacts everything. Uh, take us through sort of as you're getting ready for this sort of big journey. You said your your ships are equipped with the technology, but what do you do kind of personally as a as a prep for the weather? as you're getting ready to, to move a big ship or even like you're going to lead a class tomorrow, right? Yeah, I mean, every so. morning I check the, the radar. I check the weather. I look at what it's going to do all day. Can you take people through, because this is kind of for the techies and the uh, weather junkies in the in the group here, take us through, like, what do you use? Like, what what's your stuff? Uh, let me look at my apps that I have here. I use Windy a lot. Windy is like a super good resource for me. It's Great. got wait, uh, weather radar. It's got wind. It's got gusts. It's got swells. It's got waves. It's pretty much, and you can change you know, what weather system. What W-I-N-D-Y. Yeah. All right. Okay. Just, just making sure yeah. you never, never know how that could be W-I-N-D-I, yeah, it's true. right? It's true. Yep. It's true. And you can get, get temp and humidity and clouds, low clouds, cloud base. It's like, there's so many things, so many things that you can put over it. Awesome. So I use that as my, my main source. And then I have an app called um, Pocket Crib. Great. Which you can download the crib for literally anywhere on earth and see what the weather's going to do. And you can get like three day forecasts up to nine day forecasts, I think. But everybody knows a nine day forecast doesn't yeah. mean anything. Yeah, so. it's like practicing rolling dice. Yeah, like, right. You know, why, would you, <laughs> exactly. why would you even bother? Right? Exactly. Like, silly. Exactly. But the the three day forecasts are really good, and th- that will give you um, the wind, the temperature, sea temp, and um, uh, it'll tell you what it thinks the waves are going to be out there. Right. So we we like to add ten to the wind, whatever it is. Just Got add it. ten, be prepared for that, and Love then it. waves just double them. Usually, if yeah. it says one foot waves, it's going to be three or something. You know, it, and that's all just the voice of experience, right? Like yeah, that's it's just, just usually off. Yeah, it just, can't like it can't get that ultra fine, right? Yet, tell me about because I, I love this as a teacher. I love this question. Tell me about how you feel like 
So what you do on a year-round basis and even your day-to-day during the summer, how much of your formal education shapes what you do now? Like how did high school and college help me in what I do if it right did, now? And, and, yeah, and, and if that, it does it all. A, yeah, yeah. That's, and to me, that's an important – and the big – that's a great if. It yeah. really is because, you know, if anything we've learned in, in – you know, you see a lot of these colleges and, and places that are making a huge amount of money – and people aren't physically going to them anymore. And people are rethinking this whole process about right. how, you know, how we measure smart is, in, you know, it's a whole other podcast, yeah. you know. But I'm just curious about, as I love asking that that question to folks that are guests on the show of what is, talk to us about that. Talked about, because people have spent so much money on college education that they may, may, or, may or may not have ever used. I wish that I had waited to make a choice about what I studied in college. I don't regret it. I love music and I love teaching and I love doing that whole thing. But I wish that I'd waited to kind of figure out what I wanted to do forever before I made the decision when I was 18 or whatever of what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, I, I think what I did in college, which was music education, so I do kind of have that education touch background, which helps me with my sailing lessons because I can make curriculums and I can make lesson plans and I can kind of make these summer units, if if you will, yeah. about what I'm going to teach and how I'm going to teach it. And I can kind of change the way that my classes are held based on who's taking them. So you can kind of curate your lessons for for your sailors involved. Like I have, an, I have adult programs. I have little kids. I teach families. I do charters. I do day sales. And everything is different, but everybody wants to learn. So you kind of have to change up everything that you do depending on who's on the boat. Right. And so – the teaching aspect of it, you're, you're a te- at heart, at the base of what you do. Is yeah, you're, I'm a you're teacher. a sailor, but you're a teacher, you know. I mean, that part, and that's an acquired skill. You know, you, you can always tell, you can see people, you know, like we saw somebody, on, one of the lifeguards today on the beach that yelled at our kids in a positive way of stop breaking the, uh, the fence that keeps the marsh grass there. And I thought to myself, that's great. Like that person's 18 and they have that ability to do that because a lot of people don't right. they don't have that skill set to be able to you know to put themselves as a presence in, in front of a group yeah you know and that you have to do that every day we do that yeah yeah we do that every day I love it it's awesome um what's your best ideal weather event day if it's I love this this question to people that are professionals that deal with the weather so being that, what's your, if you had to pick your moment, like what does that look like? Um, the other day when it was, what, 145 degrees outside? <laughs> or close. With the We're southwest wind, close, yeah. that was my ideal day. Love it because? Yeah, it was, um, because it was 145 degrees <laughs> in the harbor, yeah. and then I can take my boat out, and it's 80. Love it. And you, you can just sail around, and it's like the perfect day. Right. Because the heat comes off the land, and the ocean is cold, and it was just like the perfect day. It's incredible. It's 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 so interesting because of the the major impact it has overall. Uh, you know, as we get kind of close to wrapping up, I, I I definitely want you to talk about uh, from your sort of most memorable experiences. You know, you talked about some great weather events, some things that have impacted you. What are some of your biggest memories and takeaways from sailing that you've learned over the last say three to five years? Um, it, it can be your biggest stressor and it can also be your biggest release. Like you, the, I've never been happier than just contently sailing, drifting, going like one knot 
400 miles offshore, you know, like we're making way to our destination, but at what cost, you know? And it's just been like so awesome just to be out there. My phone doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. It's a camera, right? Right. And it just boils down to the only thing that matters right now is this boat. This is the world right now. And you just have to get the boat to where it needs to be. And then all the stressors come back once you get into cell service and all that craziness. But that is one of the greatest things ever. Watching the sunrise over the ocean, watching the sunset, seeing the stars, the Milky Way. I've been on a delivery where the Milky Way lit up the boat better than the moon did. Unbelievable. There's just some amazing stuff to be had out there. That, you know, and if people that are listening that are brand new to sailing, it can sound like, you know, it's like you think about professional athletes and people that, you know, do their a certain thing for a career, you think, oh, they must have started that when they were two years old. But, you know, there can be a 46-year-old podcaster starting for the first time like I'm doing. Yeah. There can be, you know, there can be people that listen today that are so inspired by what you're talking about just to get into sailing. So if people that are, are you know, are listening today are thinking, wow, you know, I, I want to try that. What would your advice be to people that know nothing about it, but it sounds awesome? Go do it. It's never too late. Uh, uh, Jean Socrates is 77 years old. She just completed like her third circumnavigation last year. You're never too old to do it. As long as you think you're ready to do it, there's a level of sailing that's ready for you. Awesome. Great. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, the final question I'll ask is, um, you know, it, I remember you as a student because of, like, as any, and if every, as everyone's hearing now, like, your just personality is amazing. Like, you just, you exude enthusiasm, which is what you want for someone that's going to be a leader. And so I guess my Final question would be, uh, what do you think sort of formed your personality and your just ability to lead people the way you've kind of gotten to where you are today? Um, I think a huge part of it was the people that I surround myself with. I had great teachers in high school and college, and they were all super good leaders. I also had some really terrible teachers that I learned how to not be a good person by. You know, and like you, you pick point all of these things that you don't want to be, and then you focus on the things that you do want to be, and you work towards it. And being a teacher and being around kids all the time kind of makes you a little bit younger. So, you know, and you're laughing all day and you're smiling and you're you're dealing with situations and you're getting yourself out of capsizes all. Like we had a capsize today and, you know, as long as you're laughing about it, the kids are laughing about it. So just staying positive all the time and doing what you love. Love it. Maddie Vashon, living her best life. It's just amazing. Um, you have to let people know. Okay, so so... I get to, I told you, I get to watch Maddie from afar and see this amazing things that she does. Uh, how do people reach out to you, find out more about you? This, all this information is going to be up on obsessedwiththeweather.com, but let's hear from Maddie first about that. Um, I have a, an Instagram for what I do sailing, and it's a public Instagram called Syzygy Sailing Team, S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y One more time. Let's try that again. Syzygy. <laughs> yep. Go for it. Sailing yep. Team. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Awesome. Yep. And can you tell people about that term? That's a great term. A syzygy is a alignment of three or more celestial objects. So it's basically the stars aligning. Love it. Um, any other contact for you? Um, if you Google syzygy sailing team, you'll find my Instagram. And I have a little Facebook page that Instagram kind of feeds into. And then I post on that. Um, and if you can, you can just get in contact with me through that if you want to do lessons or anything like that. Awesome. Uh, Maddie Bashon, everybody. So, all right, it's time to answer our quiz. 
Uh, so the Beaufort scale we were talking a little bit about. So what does it do? So so from a National Weather uh, National Weather Service publication, it's a graduated sequence of wind strength that ranges from zero, which is calm air, to twelve, which is hurricane strength winds. Uh, and it's named after Sir Francis Beaufort, who created it in the early 1800s as a ship's commander. It was taken and used by standardized terms and sailors to describe the state of the sea under various wind conditions. That entire thing was adopted by the whole British Navy in 1838, and then in 1853, it was sanctioned by uh, for international use by all seafarers. Um, Beaufort scale? Ever, Maddie? Never. Beaufort Never. scale. And she says Beaufort scale. But Love it. So even better, right? So uh, we, we don't know what it's called, but we know that at the time, before all the instruments. Also, have I ever had to say Beaufort scale? No. Because no. we just say like force four, force yeah, five. Right. And so it's fascinating that with all the technology, this was our technology back in the day, yeah. right? We Love still it. use it. We Love still it. use the Beaufort and scale. And you use it, just use it as the forces. That's right. Yeah, you, you can use it as forces, yeah. Love it. Awesome. There's a great book called uh, Fastnet Force 10. All right. About a super windy race over in the UK. Awesome. So Fastnet 410? Force. Force 10. 10. Love mm-hmm. it. All right. So uh, another awesome piece from Maddie Vashon. Um, so a little bit of a preview for next week. Uh, looking forward to uh, having a couple more guests down the road. Thank you so much for joining me this week. You can find out more about today's show as well as upcoming episodes on Obsessed with the Weather. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or whatever else you listen to. And thank you again for joining us on Obsessed with the Weather and hope you have a great week.